0: get started the show this week, I just wanted to take a little time to uh, dedicate the show to the memory of two very special people to me, my uh, grampy, Elsie Hare, who passed away two years ago on uh, May 6, 2021, and Tony Rodriguez, my college sweetheart, who passed away on May 18, 2014. May's always been a tough time in the hoodwood for seemingly my good People, friends, loved ones have always just seemed to leave me in May, so it's always kind of tough for me to do shows, but I will endeavor to do this show in their loving memory. My grampy was one of the first people who instilled the love of baseball, and I talked baseball with him all the way to right before he passed. And my college sweetheart, Tony Rodriguez, we went to ball games here, there, and she loved her Cleveland Browns, and I used to always tease her about it, and she was somebody who I was very close to and I thought very much of the world of. So, the Hoodwood sent its love and did the show to my Grampy, and <laughs> as they used to call her, my Bunny. For This one is for you, Grampy, and also for you, Tony. Let's start the show. Heads up, cause you are in the Hoodwood. I'm the Black Bandit, KJ Green welcoming you to another edition of Sports from the Hoodwood. Coming up in this edition, the App Check failures of the Suns and the Sixers cost their coaches their jobs. Look at the NBA coaching carousel, a will stop on, and how fast it's spinning. Another year in Canada passes without the Canadian team raising the Stanley Cup. <laughs> we'll look at the failures of the Canadian team to end the now 30-year Canadian Stanley Cup curse. Could we see the collapse of the ACC? We'll look at what team want to bail out on long-standing conference. The Commanders have been sold! Not really, not yet. We'll look at the transaction and who could be in line buy and make one of the biggest purchases in NFL history. We'll look at the Hoodwood Hot 5, five top teams, or I should say, players, that will make the biggest impact in kick out. We'll Fat Dab head slapping up Bevy. I know, sports takes information, I know, I miss the week, the way is always tough on like the one Sports from the Hoodwood, try to crash on seatbelt and get ready. ¡Vamos! those months that i just i don't know i've just been in one of those kind of fogs or funky moods and i try to get the show us in a timely manner and i appreciate your patience with me things have been kind of crazy in the hood. If if you haven't heard you know things have been a little bit on the rough side job wise it's just been a bunch of transition but that's neither here nor there i appreciate you coming through if you watch on youtube welcome appreciate your patronage smash that like button hit the subscribe button it's always appreciated if you're checking out the podcast on various platforms and podcast providers I welcome you as well again your patronage is always welcome hit the like if you have any any comments or questions send me an email via the podcast, via YouTube, make comments. I appreciate every bit of comments that I get sent. So, let's start off, leading off with, hmm, the NBA. The Suns, the Sixers, they're both out, and so are their coaches. there were four. Four teams left in the NBA playoffs. The Lakers just keep on dancing after eliminating the Warriors. The Nuggets knock out the Suns in six. The Heat and the fabulous run of the Knicks, which I'm glad because I got tired of listening to Stephen A. Smith crow about the Knicks. A vastly overrated team if I've ever seen one. And the Sixers fall to the Celtics in seven games. Now, the Suns and the Sixers both summarily dismissed their head coaches after their stunning semifinal exits. Many people thought with Joel Embiid, the Sixers were a good bet to make the NBA Finals, especially with the Bucs being upset in the first round. After leading three games or two, many people in Philadelphia also felt like, hey, this may very well be our year. So one small problem with that. They couldn't finish the deal in in, uh, Wells Fargo Arena in Philly in Game 6, blowing a sizable fourth quarter lead and collapsing in Game 6. And then in Game 7, it all was going so right for the Sixers until the third quarter after break after Brick, after Brick, after Brick, watching that third quarter and I was I was with my mom since it was Mother's Day and we're watching the game and, and it just seemed like okay this game can't get any worse on the Brick. Now and, and watching the Sixers just just melt down in the third quarter before a gleeful TD North Garden crowd in Boston who was just lusting for Sixer blood. I mean, I don't know how many Boston faithful you could have seen, you know, celebrities from the Patriots owner Robert Kraft, Donnie Wahlberg, Mark Wahlberg, either, a bunch of Patriots and Red Sox all sitting gleefully watching the Celtics eviscerate the Sixers. And it wasn't so, it was, I guess it was a combination of both. The Sixers, who couldn't hit a bull in the butt with a two by four in that third quarter, only scored 10 points. 10! How do you score 10 points in 12 minutes? While the Celtics just kept making shot after shot after shot. And Jason Tatum, scoring 51 points in Game 7, which is an NBA playoff record for a Game 7, with the money on the line. Jason Tatum came up big time and the Sixers had no answer. James Harden disappeared, Joel Embiid disappeared, and once again, as expected, the failure of the Sixers clutch players to come through when the money was on the line, they went flatline. And it cost Doc Rivers his job. And Doc Rivers, for his part, looked like he had no answers. You're supposed to be an NBA champion coach, veteran player coach, and you got outcoached by Joe Mazzulla. And I'm not taking anything away from Joe Mazzula of the Celtics. But come on, dog, Joel Embiid... Was missing everything, hucking up 30 footers. What are you doing shooting that, the shooting the pill from that far? You're not a three-point shooter. James Harden seemed like he was scared to shoot. And anytime he drives the ball, he flop out in the lane, looking for a call to bail him out. Was not forthcoming. And the Sixers fail again in the playoffs. When they lost to the Raptors in 19, you were kind of like, okay, a team on the rise. They lost on a fluky shot by Kawhi Leonard. 20 in the bubble, you kind of write that off. But 21, 22, and now in 23, the Sixers still have yet to get to the the Eastern Conference Finals with Joel Embiid. And then then we're going to look at the Suns who made the finals two years ago, losing to the Bucs, you figured they were just that close. They won 64 games, but flame out in the playoffs in last year. This year, getting Kevin Durant, you figure, okay, that's the missing link. That's the connection. That's what's going to get them over the hump. Nuggets were just too strong for them. The Nuggets just put them out of their misery winning in six. And the first five games were fairly competitive. The Nuggets winning, on um, each team holding serve on their home court. Nuggets winning the first two in Denver. The Suns winning games three and four in Phoenix. The Nuggets winning game five in Denver. You figure if this was, was going to be a turning point of the series, if the Suns could hold court, hold home serve, hold serve on their home court, Game 7 in Denver, you never know. With a game 7, it's always a a dicey proposition. Especially when the team that's down 3-2 wins that 6th game. But the Suns forgot they needed to win that 6th game. Coming out horrible in game 6. It was 81-51 at the half. The Suns got booed off the court at the half. Kevin Durant looked like he was totally lost. And reinforcing what I have said time and time again, that Kevin Durant is a tertiary player, a secondary player who plays best off of big-name stars. When When the team looks to him to lead the way, he can't do it. Oh, he's got two rings, KJ. What are you talking about? Yeah, it's easy to win two rings when you got Steph Curry and Klay Thompson bombing from the outside. And I take nothing away from Devin Booker, DeAndre Aiden, the aged Chris Paul. Good players in their own right, but they looked to Kevin Durant to lead them. Did he? No. He blamed out when the team needed him the most and the Nuggets gleefully took advantage of him and ran the Suns out of their own building and it cost money Williams his job now the coaching carousel is spinning round and round but there are a lot of big jobs that are available good teams we're not talking about dreadful teams. I mean, yeah, the Pistons are looking for a new coach. Good luck with that. But you got the Suns, solid team looking for a coach. The Sixers. I'll give them the benefit of the doubt with Embiid. Solid team. The Bucks ran Mike Budenholzer out after their first round failure. You look at it over the last seven years, the last seven title holders, only Steve Kerr of a winning, a title winning team still has his job. Ty lue has been long gone from Cleveland. And of course, we talked about Kerr. Nick Nurse got run out of Toronto this year, Mike Budenholzer got run out of Milwaukee. And you're looking at these teams, uh, 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 I can't even think of the Lakers coach now, but um, there's another one that got just run out of, out, of, out of L.A. There have been so much turnover of coaches over the last seven years, and winning a title doesn't guarantee you long-term job security. It used to be if you won a title, cuz you'd have to buy a drink in that in that town for a while. But if you go all the way back, you know, 12, 13, the coaches that won have won titles with the respective teams, they're all gone. And you, the turnover is just frightening. I mean it could be a real a, a real possibility that Doc Rivers could end up in Phoenix and Monty Williams could end up in, in Philly. Kelvin Sampson, that criminal, might end up in Milwaukee. Now you talk about Milwaukee. That's a, but he has ties to Milwaukee. When he had his show cars, when he couldn't coach in college, he was assistant coach for the Bucks for a while. He could end up in Milwaukee. Could that be a decent fit? Possible. The NBA Coaching Carousel is spinning very, very fast. I'm getting dizzy. Now, of course, we all know how the Hoodwood appreciates hockey. Oh, I hate my Cyclones just fell like a rock against Toledo in their playoffs. But the NHL's Stanley Cup semifinals, or I should say conference finals, now have four teams of their own Miami, or is it Florida Panthers, Carolina Hurricane, the uh, Vegas Golden Knights, and the Dallas Stars. All of them South and Southwest teams. Yeah, so much for a cold uh, season sport. But what's missing? Notably, again, are Canadian teams. 30 years it has been since a Canadian team, the Montreal Canadiens, ironically, raised the Stanley Cup in 1993 to beat the Los Angeles Kings in six games. The Los Angeles Kings, whose team captain was Wayne Gretzky. Wayne Gretzky, that's how long it's been. When Barry Melrose was still a coach and not the loud suit wearing, uh, mullet wearing uh, hockey expert for ESPN, it was that long ago? How long ago has it been since a Canadian team has won the Stanley Cup? There have been eight teams added to the NHL. The Florida Panthers, who are in the Eastern Finals were just about to come online. Their opponent, the Carolina Hurricane, They were the Whale. The Whale baby? Hartford. They were still in Hartford a few years away from moving. Vegas The <laughs> Vegas is only in their fourth fourth fifth year in the NHL. No. And the Stars were still in Minnesota getting ready to move to Dallas. All four teams that are in the semifinals of the Stanley Cup, the conference finals, did not exist when the NHL's last Canadian-based team won the Cup. Columbus, Minnesota, Atlanta Thrashers, Thrashers, they moved to Winnipeg. The Winnipeg Jets have moved to Phoenix. You've got teams in Vegas, Seattle, the Crackheads. I mean the Kraken. All of these teams have come online since a Canadian team has last won a Stanley Cup. The Toronto Maple Leafs, I mean Leafs, I'm sorry, again, fail in the playoffs as expected. And the funny thing was is I know a lot of Toronto Maple Leaf fans, and they were all telling me, "This is our year, KJ. We're gonna win it this year." And I looked at them, and I went, "Yeah, okay, sure, Mike, right." Canadian teams abject failure every year, and people say, "Well, there is because there there are fewer and fewer NHL teams that are in Canada, Vancouver." Calgary, Edmonton, Ottawa, Toronto. Am I missing somebody? Oh, Montreal. Oh, and Ottawa. Seven teams. Fully 25% of the NHL. And they're spread across East and West. But you're telling me only three teams from Canada made the Stanley Cup playoffs? Canadians have long there's been a while since they've been a serious contender for the for the Stanley Cup. Vancouver fell flat after a promising last couple of years. Calgary another flame out. Edmonton played decently, but they too came apart when was needed. Winnipeg not ready. Toronto <laughs> And Ottawa? The Sens? Are you serious? The abject failures again and again of Canadian teams. And they sit back and whine. Well this isn't real hockey. You've got these teams in the Southwest and South that are are playing for the Stanley Cup every year. It's Canadian sport. Why aren't Canadian teams better equipped? Because you don't have the, the, the legendary coaches. You know. You don't have the Glenn Sathers. You don't have the Scotty Bowmans. Hell, you don't even have... Hell, I didn't take Mike Keenan at this point. But those strong coaches that coached in Canada and time and time again brought these great teams, the great Edmonton teams, the great Canadians teams. Hell, even Calgary back in 89... Great teams. Vancouver kept getting close, and you know what? I stand corrected. I I I said that the last Canadian team to make the, the Stanley Cup Finals was the Edmonton Oilers. I stand corrected. It was the Vancouver Canucks. I remember when they played uh, Boston back in '14 and lost. And we're not even gonna get into why the Senators can't even get nowhere near the. They're in the finals. And the Maple Leafs, they haven't been in the Stanley Cup finals. They haven't been to the Stanley Cup finals since 1964. You know how many teams were in the in the uh, uh NHL the last time the, the Maple Laughs I, I mean Leafs made the Stanley Cup finals? As many more teams are in Canada now than there were NHL teams the last time the Toronto Maple Leafs made the Stanley Cup Finals. There were six teams in the NHL the last time the Maple Leafs made the Stanley Cup Final and won it in 1964. There are 28 teams in the NHL now. Let's take time out. Come back and we'll take a look at college ranks. Are we going to see the demise of the ACC? Could happen. If you say no way, there are teams that are looking to make an exit from the ACC. It's a real possibility. Of course, continue after this. Is today your last day on Earth because you are being deployed to space tomorrow? Have you just turned 18 and you're ready to get out of your parents' house? Has your granddaughter gotten her boyfriend pregnant? Whatever your reason, you need us at gotagetmarriednow.com. We specialize in last-minute weddings. Active duty, military veterans and retired discounts are available. Visit us at gottogetmarriednow.com. Tuned in to Sports from the Hoodwood, the internet's premier destination for no nonsense commentary, thorough analysis, and logical insight on the world of sports. Now here's the land that Wikipedia and Google call for sports fact checks. Your host, KJ Green. You're back in the Hoodwood. I was doing some research, as I have a tendency to do. I do actually read up on some things here and there. And the Atlantic Coast Conference is just recently celebrated its 70th anniversary or birthday or whatever you whatever you would like to call it the uh, venerable old conference made up of an amalgamation of the southern and some other like loose loosely fit configurations of teams uh, came together in 1953 with, with the legendary coaches Everett case and Frank McGuire um, performing with other schools to make one of the premier athletic conferences in the country. Now, ACC basketball has long been regarded as blue blood. Uh, ACC tournament hasn't had a public sale of tickets for its basketball tournament in almost 60 years. Now, in 2012... The ACC poached teams from the then Big East, considered one of its main rivals, taking Syracuse, Pitt, Boston College, and Virginia Tech from its ranks to strengthen their conference. Uh, Louisville was the last team to jump from the then Big East. Well, then the, the, the forming the American, and then they jumped to the ACC. Uh, just in the last five or six years, they went to they moved to uh, the ACC in 2014. But these uh, teams joined what was considered one of the so-called Power Five conferences. Now of course, one of the other teams that sit on the fringe of the ACC is, a, is a more or less a full member except in football, you no know, dang. Now, these 15 teams have, you know, guarded each other's back, but all the while still trying to stab each other in the back. There's been there's notable rivalries and hatreds in this conference that run long and deep, Florida State, Miami being one of them, North Carolina, North Carolina State, Duke. Wake Forest and that research triangle down there in Tobacco Road, North Carolina. Virginia and Virginia Tech can't stand one another. And into a lesser degree, teams like Syracuse and Boston College still hold their grudge matches from the old Big East days. But the ACC, as it stands now, is splintering because of, hmm, imagine that, TV rights. Everyone now looks at SEC and, to a lesser degree, the Big Ten, the two Giants, the power of the Power Five Conferences. Now, the Big Ten have swooped in and taken UCLA and USC for their ranks. Big Ten, I'm not even going to try to get into that. We'll get into that in another discussion. ACC once was swooping up and snapping up teams left and right. But now the conference has gotten unwieldy. And there are teams, the so-called Magnificent Seven, North Carolina, North Carolina State, Miami, Florida State, Clemson, Virginia, and Virginia Tech, that are looking to break away from the ACC. Teams like Florida State, Miami, and Clemson are looking at the SEC going, would you want us? And the SEC, of course, they're just eating them all up. Come on. Come on. The SEC is the next conference I'm waiting for, for a splintering. Because you get a large conference and it gets too big and then you seem like teams start looking at other things. But the big thing that is hampering the ACC, as usual, is the media rights. The TV rights. The almighty dollar is running things for these leagues. And the SEC of course makes an obscene amount of money for their TV rights. The ACC who right now are locked into a TV contract with ESPN but that contract runs out through 2032 and a lot of these schools are seeing what they think is value diminish Because the ESPN deal isn't nowhere near as big as the Big Ten and of course nowhere even light years close to the SEC. Then you have other conferences like the Big 12 and the the Pac-12 who are scrambling to try to just stay keep their heads above water financially. And the ACC sinking under its own weight by the unwieldy nature of the teams. Now you have Half of the conference wanting to look elsewhere. Then you have teams like Louisville, Pitt, Syracuse, B.C., Duke, Wake Forest, Georgia Tech, and Notre Dame that are kind of left going, uh, what do we do here? The Big 12, once left for dead 18, 24 months ago, now is sitting back going, we'll wait. This conference falls apart. This conference falls apart. We'll just grab what's left. And the Big 12 left for dead almost two years ago. Now looks at least feasibly strong. The Big 10 grabbed UCLA and USC, and now they're quietly waiting. Is Pac-12 going to fall apart? Is the ACC going to fall apart? And they'll pick up everything. SEC, they can pick and choose who they want. They invited Texas and Oklahoma, who are playing their last year in the Big 12 in the 23-24 season. They're moving to the SEC. Could other teams be joining them? Clemson, Florida State, Miami of Florida? Could be. SEC could have 20 teams, this time two years from now. The ACC once considered one of the stronger conferences media-wise, and sports wise may come apart at the seams within the next six to twelve months if not sooner there are teams right now that are looking at their grant of rights deals with ESPN and seeing if they can break those if they can break those the ACC could be done for collapsing under its own 15 team weight when 10 years ago they were shot they were big ball of shot callers taking teams destroying what was once the big east which is now either beast the american destroying that conference and shrugging going you know what big ball of shot caller you can do that now all of a sudden they're collapsing under their own weight and they may go the way of the Big East, a uh, conference that they picked on a decade earlier. It's gonna be interesting stuff, to say the very least. (laughs) I always wanted to be an auctioneer, one of those guys that The The way auctioneers can rattle off sales and during uh, auctions is fascinating. And I'll kind of imagine an auctioneer going to the highest bidder for the Washington Commanders with uh, Dan Dan, and Tanya Snyder putting the team up for sale in November. And they finally got a winning bid. (laughs) Sixers and uh, New Jersey Devils owner Josh Harris with a winning bid of point. Oh five billion (laughs) billion. Dan Snyder made off like a bandit. Not a black bandit, that's me. But you look at it and the appreciation of teams over the last 20, 30 years has rocketed. Whereas I believe Dan Snyder bought the uh, washing the washington franchise for a few million a few a couple hundred million i believe in nineteen ninety nine is now going to realize more than six hundred percent return on his investment as he and uh, his wife sell their shares of the washington commanders for as i had pre- previously mentioned total of six point zero five billion dollars not wait a minute not but not yet, no, not yet. The sale is supposed to be finalized here sooner or later, by the uh, NFL owners who are decided that they're going to make no ruling on the sale here in their their ownership meeting in Minneapolis here this week. But the sale should be finalized. And me for one, I'm saying good riddance to bad rubbish with Dan Snyder. Go like Donald Sterling. Go count your money, but just go away and I hope the a short segment but let's take a time out come back with the hoodwood Hot five that dappin head slap and the final word from the wood sports When the hoodwood heads down the home stretch after this Commentary, insight, and opinions on the world of sports. Here now live in living color, black by popular demand. Your host, KJ Green. Rounding third and head for home here in the Hoodwood. Let's finish up strong with the Hoodwood Hot 5, Fat Dap Head Slap, and the final word from the wood. The Hoodwood Hot 5 topic this week, the five most impactful players on the... NBA Conference Finals. Now, the Conference Finals are underway as we shoot this show. And, right now, the Lakers are down one game to none to the Nuggets while the Heat stole Game 1 in Boston. But, let's look at the five players I feel will have the most impact on the Conference Finals. Number one, of course, is LeBron James. I know. LeBron is aged. I know LeBron has been seemingly playing the game forever and he has lost a step. But he still can play and he still makes an impact. Now, can he reach back for that extended magic over a course of two more series? I still think this may be his most improbable title. If he can win a title, a second title in Los Angeles. He's already been one of the rare players to have won three championships, a championship with three different teams. This might be his most improbable one. And doing it with the Lakers, outside of the controlled atmosphere of the bubble, might be interesting for him to have won and that would have been his sixth NBA title. And who would he have matched? Hmm, some guy named Mike? No, that'll be his fifth title. Two with the Heat, one with the Cavs, and it'll be his second. But he's getting up in rarefied air. Not Bill Russell rarefied, but rarefied enough. Our number two impact player of these conference finals is Anthony Davis. Which Anthony Davis will show up? That is a $64 question. The Anthony Davis that showed up and showed out against the Warriors, if that player shows up, oh boy, the Lakers will be a tough team to deal with. Now, I will give him credit. He played, held his own against Nikola Jokic in game one of the Western Conference Finals. The Lakers lost. There's gonna, the Lakers are going to need big performances like that on a consistent basis. Now, the Lakers lost by six in game one. If Anthony Davis continues to play his best, LeBron James continues to play his best, the Lakers can steal a few gain a couple of games in this Western Conference final. Do I think that win? To be perfectly honest, no. But an Anthony Davis at his top form gives the Lakers better than a puncher's chance. And if he pulls out one of those crazy games like he has a tendency to, and, and the Nuggets come out flat, I don't know. Things could be weird. I've seen crazier things. Our number three impact player, and I'm not grading these on, you know, most impact to least impact, but these are just five players I figure will have the most impact on the conference finals is Jimmy Butler. I'm sorry. I'm still I still refuse to be sold. I refuse to be sold on Jimmy Butler. Oh, playoff Jimmy, he's done this, he's done that. Yeah. But I'm still waiting for the inevitable meltdown of Jimmy Butler delving back into that selfish me-first attitude that has burned teams in the past. And his meltdowns and self-destructions have been done in Chicago. They were done in Minnesota. They were done in Philly. And they've been done in Miami. I am not convinced that Jimmy Butler can win a title in Miami. I I just refuse to believe it. And I'm just waiting for that inevitable meltdown. I'm waiting for that inevitable self-destruction. It's gonna happen. It's not a question of if, it's just a question of when. Our number 4 impact player is Nikola Jokic. Now, Many people thought the Joker got job in the MVP vote. That he, not Joel Embiid, should have won the MVP. I am one of those people. I think the Joker is one of the best players in the NBA, bar none. His 34-21-14 line in Game 1 against the Lakers was absolutely obscene. Sick. Can he carry the Nuggets all the way to the title? That. Is still the big question. I think he has stepped his game up. Now. Can he do it three more times in the Western Finals? Can he do it four times in the, in the NBA Finals? That is where the jury is still out. If he does that. I think he cements his legacy as one of the game's transcendent players. Our number five impact players: Jason Tatum. Now, he had 51 in the clincher against the Sixers on Sunday, but was notably absent against the Heat. When they needed him most, he didn't come up big. And the Celtics need Jason Tatum to play big consistently, or at least for four wins. Miami's already stolen one game in Boston. They go down 0-2. Not looking good for for gang green and going after their 18th title. But if they are going to win that 18th title, Jason Tatum has got to carry the load. And then some. That's my Hoodwood hot five. What's yours? Now let's take a look at the fat dab and head slap of the week. Our fat dap is something I guess it's a little biased, fairly close to my heart, but it's my show I'll do what the hell I want to. The fat dap goes to the Cincinnati Bearcat, not the Cincinnati Bearcats not the school, the athletic endeavors of any of their teams I'm talking about the actual mascot himself Yes, that is a picture of me and the Cincinnati Bearcat I am a big fan. He is nominated for the College Mascot Hall of Fame. No kidding. Hall of Fame. Now, I admit I'm a little biased having been around UC Athletics for the better part of 30 years, but if there are any types of mascots that have more energy, more just silliness, more just craziness and look at me and can slightly distract from what's going on in the field, but always, never detracting from it, but always a good symbol of the university, it's the Bearcat. And there have been a number of people who have played the Bearcat over the years, and they've all done it with an energy, and a fire, and a fervor, and a love for the school and the Red and Black. I am very, very proud to be an alumnus of the school and, and hope that, the Bearcat is selected to the mascot Hall of Fame. I'm thinking mascot Hall of Fame. There is actually, but if you think about great mascots, the 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 chicken, the, the Philly fanatic, uh, the, the gorilla, uh, uh, Boomer, the Nutty Pacer Panther. I mean, these are like legendary mascots. To put the Bearcat in with them, that's that's big names. I hope the Bearcat wins it. Fat dap to the Cincinnati Bearcat. Best of luck, and I hope you get in. Best of luck on the nomination, and I hope you get in. Our head slap of the week, (laughs) it's too easy, just too easy. Now, Hoodwood is notorious for its loathing of Ben Simmons, and Ben Simmons decided he wanted to troll the Sixers after their evisceration by the Celtics now Ben Simmons who used to play for the Sixers now allegedly plays for the Nets when he's not over or something of that nature he sent a Twitter picture of him feet up watching the uh, Sixers lose to the Celtics and he's throwing shade my question is Ben Simmons what is your team doing right now what are you doing right now? Oh, that's right. The Nets are out and you're not playing. And you're shot calling. Rule of Hoodwood, those with no game should not shot call. Ben Simmons gets the head slap of the wheat from Hoodwood. Simmons, you really should keep your mouth shut. Now, without much further ado, let's go to the final word from the wood. The NFL schedule came out last week with much fanfare and there are a number of big matchups on the schedule as usual. Me, I was very happy to see that my beloved Minnesota Vikings will be once again playing in the Cincinnati area for the second time in three years when they normally only come back once in eight. That being said, the NFL is slowly expanding itself further and further and further into the nation's sporting collective consciousness. Now, don't make any mistake. I do love the NFL. I love pro football, and it's something that dominates this show for a good part of the year. Me making my predictions every week is one of the parts of the show that I thoroughly enjoy doing. Now you have 17 weeks, which I hate the odd number, and of course we know sooner or later the NFL is going to creep into for an 18th game. That being said, the NFL, starting around Labor Day, has now creeped its regular season into the second week of January. Now, at one time, I remember where playoff games were being played right around Christmas. Now, the NFL playoffs start in the middle of January, past Martin Luther King Day. And I have seen proposals saying that the NFL should be playing past President's Day. President's Day. It isn't enough that the NFL is dominating our collective consciousness and has to be front and center almost like a certain president who wanted to be front and center on every photo opportunity, but that's neither here nor there. It isn't enough that the NFL is being front and center in its uh, sporting collective consciousness from September to now February. It now has to have the draft. It now has to have the buildup to the draft. It now makes its schedule so much bigger, the announcements of the schedule so much bigger. Now, it is the middle of May. It should be a quiet time for the NFL. No, there's OTAs, there's mini camps, there's everything. The NFL has to push its way into the forefront of your sporting thinking all the time. How much is too much? I love the NFL. I love football. I love watching football. I love talking about football and the uh, inevitable merry go rounds. But the, the NFL, I think, is trying to too hard to spread itself all over the place. It's bad enough with the schedule being on Thursday, which I have have long railed against. But now, the schedule starts on a Thursday. You have Monday doubleheaders, which I don't have a problem with. But now you're looking for games on Friday. Friday? No. NFL games on Friday, that's doing a little too much. Black Friday is now become the domain of the NFL. They've taken. They've always had Thanksgiving. They want Christmas. They've got Christmas. Now the way the schedule runs this year, games can be played on Christmas. Games, three of them, will be played on that Monday. A Monday triple header for Christmas. And it isn't like the NFL doesn't like to play on Christmas. They've been playing on Christmas each of the last four years. Now, with the schedule allowing it, you won't see a game on Christmas at least for another four or five years. Only because Christmas falls on Tuesday, Wednesdays, and Thursdays. But, you know they're going to try it. You know they're going to try to put a game on Christmas. Why? Because the NFL has to be everywhere. How much is too much? When does do people say enough? The overexposure. When does the NFL get to the point where it is overexposed? The insatiable public wants more. But games on Thursday is just a little bit too much. Games on Friday, there are laws prohibiting games on Friday before a certain date because the NFL doesn't. the, The sport, the government did not want the NFL to intrude on high school football and college football. But now, there are games on Thursdays, Fridays, Saturdays, all-day Sundays, and now double-headers on Monday. How much is too much? I love the NFL as much as the next Joe does. But there becomes a point where it becomes a little too much. I love tiramisu. Now, being a diabetic, I can't eat it anymore, but I love ham sandwiches. Eat too much of it, you start to get bloated and full. When does it become the time when the public becomes bloated and full? And that is the final word from the wood. Now with the music coming up in the background, you know that means that your time here in the Goodwood is just about done, and I thank you so much for your visit. Now the show's email is kjgreen at sportsmanthewoodwood.com, Send emails regarding show topics, Questions, comments, and both show praise and criticism. Welcome your correspondence and we'll try to get back to you in any timely manner. The show's website is sportsmanhoodwood.com, which has a back catalog of the show dating back 10 years in both audio and video forms. So check that out if there are any shows that you may have missed. You can join the debate and conversation on the page on Facebook. Also has a video podcast simulcasts, as well as other topics, funny stuff that I find on the web, great sports debate, and much more, and more often. And I do find two member posts frequently. Our video versions are on YouTube. Please you hit that subscribe and smash that like button for more great content. The link to these shows is also on the Twitter feed at Hoodwood Sports with a host of other interesting stuff there. The show back so like and follow here as well the audio version is on Spotify, Amazon Stitcher, Google Podcasts, iTunes and Apple and a host of other fine podcast platforms and providers if the good one is not on your favorite ask for it drop me a line and I will do my best to get that on your favorite provider as always special thanks to Ray Pictures for providing production assistance to the show on the website And that is it from the Hoodwood, fellow sports fans. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, until next time, from the Hoodwood, I'm KJ Green. Sports from the Hoodwood is a Black Bandit Productions and Enterprises presentation of a 551 Audio and Films production.